Let's get real, let's get inspirational, a little bit emotional, and let's shed some sunshine. This is the Sunshine Steven Podcast. Welcome! Good day and happy Wednesday! Welcome back to the Sunshine Steven Podcast, where this week... I'm sitting down, not really sitting down, sitting across a Zoom camera (laughs) in audio recording, um, thinking I have like a talk show, but I don't, with fellow Stephen, uh, Stephen Rowley, who is the author of The Gunkle, which is the primary um, chat that we're having today, Um, also the editor, and then uh, Lillian the Octopus, which I also read after The Gunkle and maybe I've cried a lot or little, both. Uh, but that's just me, Pisces. Hey. <laughs> so um, we're talking about the Gunkle though today. As a fellow Gunkle myself and a fellow Steven, <laughs> um, it was a, a really good conversation and a really good book. So we're going to dive right into it. Awesome. Well, I'm here with new friend Steven, who spells it correctly with the V. Um, that was a traumatic thing as a kid. I always fought people that try to spell my name uh, with the PH or call me Steve. I hated that too. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> new friend Steven here. Um, I'm actually in the, I don't know if I'm in the middle. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm pretty heavily deep into your newest book, The Gunkle. Um, so we're going to talk about that today. And I want to give you the opportunity because I'm like, people know themselves more than I could to kind of give your little elevator speech of who you are and what you're about. And then we'll go from there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's good to be with you. Yeah. Uh, fellow Steven with a V. Yes. Um, I, I'm originally from Maine. You know, my mom thinks I, I'm famous and I don't need to do these introductions, but of course I do. <laughs> um, and I have to remind her, I'm not even the most famous writer named Steven from Maine, for God's sake. Oh my gosh, that's uh, right. But Steve, he spells it with a PH. There's so. Stephen King, but he's a PH. So yeah. dead to us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <laughs> I'm Stephen Rowley. I'm the author of three novels, Lily and the Octopus, The Editor, and now uh, The Gunkle, which just came out in May of this year and is uh, hopefully having a moment as this one of the books of summer. Yeah, it, I de- it definitely is. And I, I saw it um, through advertisements. And then actually one of my good friends, um, he got his hands on an advanced copy and I was really jealous, but he was like, hey, <laughs> this book seems like something you would read. And I was like, yeah, sure, it does sound like something I would read. Um, and he was correct. So now I'm in the middle. I say reading, but I, I got suckered into the whole Audible book thing. I usually, this is like my third book doing Audible. And I like it. It's yeah, different. I like it too. At times, it doesn't, you know, for certain books, it doesn't totally take the place of reading for me. But this is the first time I've narrated one of my audiobooks uh, myself. Elf, which yeah. was this whole interesting uh, process. I had the actor Michael Yuri uh, do my two previous audiobooks, and he's really fantastic. Um, but him. for some reason, I had it in my head that I wanted to give it a try. And then I had uh, friends give me a hard time, like, wait a minute, poor Michael Yuri, you put an actor out of work during a pandemic uh, when all of Broadway is shut down. And uh, yeah, sorry, Michael, but sure yeah. enough, uh, sure enough, I did, but uh, I really, I really kind of enjoyed it. So I hope, I hope you're enjoying the the audio version too. I was, I was a little nervous. I was nervous I could make a fool out of myself, but 
no. people seem to be enjoying it. So oh no, hopefully. I'm enjoying it, and it it, it it's funny because like now hearing and seeing you talk, I'm like I hear some of the book too. So it's like <laughs> a whole. But I even love how uh, you talk for Grant in the book and everything with the lisp and the missing teeth. I'm not one that's good at voices and stuff like that. So I am enjoying it very much. Yeah. So. Like it's just a little throwback to high school theater, I guess. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been a while since I've done voices or, or sort of created characters other than say for my, you know, my dogs or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, oh, yeah. cause clearly they, they speak to us. Um, oh, they but, do. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was interesting. I had to convince the publisher. I had to, I have to even audition, uh, send in audition a, for an your... audio clip, the audition for my own, to read my own book. But uh, anyway, I got the part. Oh, that's so... Sorry, my <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Valerie Cherish, you know, well, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's so fun. Funny though, that you audition for your own book as my dogs clearly um, are enjoying it. I th- I'll just take that as a round of applause. It is. That's Rose. She's the one that always barks. Um, she's um, a reoccurring guest on the Sunshine Steven podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she's just a mess. But uh, yes, yeah. I am enjoying it very much. So I did want to talk about, though, your writing process. So this is book number three that you well this is book three yeah and you know what before we dive into writing process like maybe we should take one step back i'd love to ask you like are are you a gunkle and and do listeners of sunshine season podcast know what a gunkle is i'm sure they do but you know for anybody who doesn't because there there have been a few saying what is this strange word um you know it's become quite popular slang in the past five ten years uh for for a gay uncle and certainly um, there's like a connotation of like a larger than life uh, sort of figure with it. So, you know, a a kind of an anti-mame figure Mm -hmm. uh, or uncle mame is more appropriate. And that's certainly the case here. The the book is about Patrick O'Hara, who is a retired television star living a semi-reclusive life in Palm Springs when he is tasked with taking in his niece and nephew for the summer after the death of their mother. And it sort of brings about a season of healing for all three of them because oh, yeah. he has been grieving his own loss. Um, and so the three of them kind of kind of help each other begin to heal. Yeah, which is, I think, a, a very beautiful thing. Um, unfortunately, I've had to deal with death too much in my 28 years so uh, anytime a writer or artist can talk about it and you know make sense of it and put it out there in the world especially evolving like kids I remember growing up reading the series of unfortunate events which Mm -hmm. starts Mm -hmm. with parents dying and then becoming orphans and I was like this is sad and then it happened to me so I was like oh I'm kind of prepared yeah it's okay i mean my therapist worked it out it's okay (laughs) so i i appreciated that you know and there is i don't want to give too much away that patrick is healing himself uh really two people that he's lost in his life Mm -hmm. but i feel like one he kind of put there's more i haven't finished it but i there's more questions that i have about. yeah well so we don't want to spoil it for you either exactly i know (laughs) That's the challenge in sort of writing a book like this because I do think it's funny. I do I just, hopefully a very funny book, but oh, it's also it's so a funny. serious exploration of of grief and finding that balance and being able to really walk that walk that sort of tightrope is uh, you know was the real sort of challenge in in writing this book. Definitely yes, and yes, I am a gunkle. Um, 
my nieces and nephew <laughs> there. <but laughs> I have um, several, but immediate or my husband's sister's children. Um, uh-huh. The oldest, she's nine. She actually just went, she started third grade today. And I was like, she's old enough to pay bills. Like, come on, let's go. Um, <laughs> she has two younger children. They're actually twins. She got so lucky. And it's a boy and a girl. And um, oh, wow. we had to even, going back to the word gunkle, because their mom called me and my husband that like, oh, you're gunkles. And they were like, uh-huh. what's that? And so yeah. I kind of had to explain that. But then kind of also had to explain to my husband's mom. because She was like, is that offensive? And I was like, <laughs> no. And she was like, I just would think people would be offended by it. And I'm like, no. And so it is kind of like a relatively new. She was like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, do I have a book for her then? But you know, I don't know the origin of the exact word, but my guess is I, my guess is we coined it ourselves. I was about to say, um, I feel that, like it, the case. I, that it came from the queer community. It yep. definitely sounds like, and there's even a Gunkel's Day now, uh, yes. which was just this past Sunday. Yeah, uh, I, so I texted her and was second, like, where's our gifts? <laughs> yeah, where's our gift? Let me show you where I'm registered because I don't trust you kids to buy exactly. gifts on your own. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the second Sunday in August. So um, yeah, kids, get it together. I'm yeah. the Gunkel of five in real oh, life wow. the oldest of whom is 12 so um yeah they're all still quite young and and um it's become kind of profound relationships for me which is kind of why i wanted to write about them yeah. um because i don't i don't have children of my own um that's a question i get asked often and i'm like no i get tired i don't do anything and i get tired i don't have energy for this um, right <laughs> so i will dote on nieces and nephews and then hand them back at the end of the day yes that is 1000 percent correct <laughs> Um, as I get older, you know, if it's not in the cards, it's not, I think I'll be fine with that. I've always yeah. thought when I was younger, like, oh, I want to have kids and stuff. Now I'm like, um, I'm a lot to handle myself. So I don't know <laughs> if I could keep, I can't even keep plants alive. I'm surprised my dogs are still kicking, but they're great and good. So yeah, like you said, nieces and nephew, I'm like, oh, you want to eat as much candy and sugar as you want? That's fine, but you're going home with your mom. <laughs> like, have Yeah, but it. I'm not paying for the cavities, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no, sorry. I'm just the fun gunkle. Yeah, so. I'm, not, I'm not peeling you off the ceiling or yeah. paying for your dental work, so exactly. have at it. <laughs> no, but that is awesome that you are uh, a, an actual gunkle, and so you, you had some probably inspiration, I would think, or ideas more than somebody that's like I don't even know like kids are like uh, I feel like that would be kind of difficult um to write a book about something that you just know 100% nothing about uh well even though I don't have children of my own clearly I had thoughts on child raising and child rearing and um wanted to uh you know like any good armchair quarterback sort of put them (laughs) put them down in writing and uh so you know yeah I think I think the the book was kind of born there my brother came to visit uh me here in Palm Springs where I live with his two boys who were ages three and five at the time and um, they were going to be here for a week-long visit and my brother who's an attorney in Boston was called into court to for to represent a client after being here only about 12 hours and then he left me with his two boys ages three and five no uh, for for the rest of the week and you know these kids were kind of bummed because uh you know they were excited to to spend time with me and 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 visit California and I have a swimming pool and yeah and uh, all this stuff you know that kids thought 
you know, kids from Massachusetts thought was really neat. Uh, but, uh, you know, they were just as excited to spend the week with their dad, I think. So, you yeah. know, they were kind of bummed out and, and I was left having to, um, you know, I felt like the, the understudy getting shoved into the, <laughs> into the lead role, but not, I didn't quite have all my lines memorized. So, yeah. uh, there was a little bit of struggling that week, but, but after that, you know, the sort of idea for a story was, was formed. That's really awesome though. Cause I feel like there's a lot of truth of that. There's been moments where I've been like you said, put it in there, they're like, hey, could you watch the kids and stuff? And I, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, I do have to give you kudos in the book, um, especially when Grant's like, I don't watch TV. Do you have YouTube on your television? They, oh my gosh, what is the uh, Ryan's World or something? They will sit there for hours and watch this. Yeah. Play with oh, not even that. They like they will watch. You know, my, I had a nephew when when he was really young who watched YouTube just to watch videos of real garbage trucks picking oh up garbage, <laughs> and he was like wanted to share that with me. And I was sitting there going, "Trash, right? You know? <laughs> like literally, trash. literally trash." Yeah. Uh, but I was like, "Come on, kid. We got there has to be something better we can do with our time." So yeah, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of experiences from real life you know writers do that i feel sorry for any of you who are related to writers because we do um poach we do yeah. steal uh and uh you know to the extent that i did that to any of my nieces and nephews um spoiler alert i yeah. did but yeah. but to the extent that i did uh the book is dedicated to them so hopefully uh hopefully they'll forgive me yeah that's like at least you're acknowledging it and you're dedicating it to them. I mean, you're just like <laughs> I did it all on my own. <laughs> Kids had yeah, nothing exactly. to do with it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, though. So I'm always curious, though, how long did so the story started probably percolating in your head? How long did it take you to write it? Um, what was the I guess? Yeah, I think it took a I took a year to to write a first draft and then another uh, nine months or so to really um, edit that mm -hmm. and uh, and you know do subsequent drafts and and back and forth both with uh, you know my agent and my my publisher. Um, and so you know it's it's writing is writing in novel format. You know it, it's it's a slow process one, but then the, the publishing business is slow in general. So even after the book is done, it can take a year, you know, before so it's out uh, on on bookshelves. So um, you know I've been really touched uh, that this book arrived sort of when it did. It came out uh, Memorial Day. Uh, of this of this past May, so a couple months ago, uh, you know, and to the extent that it's about a man who's been self isolating from the world and is finding his way back into the light, um, hitting hitting um, you know books bookshelves at a time when you know we had just you know a lot of us had just been vaccinated, yep. we had been isolating for the past year, and you know we were slowly making our way out, and sadly it's a, we've taken a, a step backwards now. Hi Florida, yeah. um, but. <laughs> But, uh, yep. you know, and it's but but to the extent that that this book, you know, sort of mirrored the way that a lot of people I think were feeling like that's yeah. been a really lovely coincidence and one that I couldn't have planned, you know, the one thing that author yeah. has absolutely no control over is the state of the world when their book is finally released. Uh, so I know there's a lot of conversation between my fellow writers about how, how will we address this past year? What will the, oh, yeah. what will the sort of COVID books be? What, how, how will we write directly or indirectly about, you know, this sort of pandemic experience that we've been through? And, and I kind of feel like for me, the pressure's off. I've, I've, I've 
accidentally sort of written my COVID book about, I was about isolation and quarantining and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it has nothing to do with it. So, yeah. uh, so pressure's off. I'm, I'm going to go feel free to write whatever I want now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't, I didn't even put those two and two together, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, last year, a lot of us were in isolation and everything in, around May. I think I got my shots in April. So by May, mm -hmm. I was vaccinated and was like, you're ready to go. Can I uh, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, it's a book about grief. And, you mm -hmm. know, so many of us have been grieving, um, you know, whether we've had an actual loss due to the pandemic or otherwise, you know, when you're, when you're quarantined, it's supposed to be separate from other people, you know, that's a very difficult time Definitely. to grieve. And some of us were just sort of grieving a lost year, um, you know, time with friends, seeing family, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So, so you know, the, the fact that it's a book about grief too, I think is was particularly well-timed. No, definitely was uh, for me personally too, because I did lose somebody last year, unfortunately. And it, I was like, oh, I just need all the help with grieving right now. So I yeah, it's yeah, well, I'm, I'm very sorry to, to hear that. Um, but you know, I did too. And, and this is the thing about writing a novel, I think I envisioned this more when I started out as, as much more comedic than mm -hmm. than it even is now. And again, I, I do think the book is very funny. I don't want to scare people away thinking yeah, no, it's, 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 really it's funny. just dry. <laughs> yeah. It's very, hopefully very funny. Yes. But uh, early on in the writing process, I lost uh, one of my best friends from college to breast mm -hmm. cancer. And so, oh. you know, and she left behind a six-year-old son. Oh, so yeah. suddenly I really was thinking about grief in children, particularly, yeah. and in a much more serious way. My own grief from, from losing a friend, but mm -hmm. also what would a six-year-old remember of, of yeah. his mother? What is the role of her friends and family to step in and re remind this kid how... Yeah fiercely he was loved and um and a lot of that sort of made its way into the book i think to its i think to its betterment you know that, oh, that no, it definitely. is a real real balance a comedy but a real also uh exploration of what it is like to grieve yeah and i feel like readers um really or really anybody readers movie goers anybody like that when there's a story that has the correct balance of funny real life and traumatic stuff drama everything it's like oh this is relatable like this this shit really happens like okay this is great like i always remember as a kid when they tell you like the structure of a story there always has to be mm -hmm. a conflict or like you really have no story and yeah I, I was like no you can always have sunshine and rainbows and no that's <laughs> incorrect so i appreciate well that. it's not it's reflective of life yeah. uh you know and that i you know i think that's the job of a, of a writer sometimes it's to sort of it's to sort of hold a mirror up to the, the human condition and so um yeah if we wrote all sunshine and rainbows um that it wouldn't feel like now speaking of sunshine and rainbows though i'm like sitting here with the book this cover <laughs> which i absolutely adore is yes. just a, a big ray of sunshine you know it it's is. bright yellow and it just looks like a super fun uh beach read and so to the extent that there is some some real um you know drama and and as i said sort of exploration of, of the grieving process in there it is you know the cover is like uh the spoonful of sugar you know for mary right. poppins it is you know it helps that medicine go down yeah and that and that's what the humor does do yeah i love i know as cliche as it sounds a lot of people are like you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but i just appreciate cover arts and covers so much and that color palette is basically my Instagram. So I was like, yeah, oh, I love this. Yeah. I'm, I'm attracted to this, whatever. It's I'm so summary. Yes. Yeah. I love, I love it too. And it cover the cover process can be fraught for authors. We have contractually what is 
um, defined as meaningful consultation. But, oh, wow. um, you know, I, I, try try getting a court to define that, you know, yeah. that language, meaningful consultation, which basically means we can say I like it or I don't like it. And they can either, you know, go back and do another version of it or ignore us entirely. Because um, uh, sometimes the author isn't the best person to to know. You know, there's right. there's marketing and sales concerns and and um, what other covers might be coming you know, mm. that they might be aware of. So, um, but this one to me was just just a home run. So. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely beautiful. I suggest everybody go look at it right now. Haven't <laughs> 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 <I'm> already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, awesome though. Um, so speaking of writing though, I always like to ask though. Um, especially for writers, of course. Have you always been attracted to writing? Is it something, was it like in the movies where you're like, since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be a writer or as you get older, you were like, hmm, I like this, let's do this. Like how, how was that in your world? Yeah, I think I've always, um, I've always been a writer in one form or another. I didn't know that I would write novels. That was kind of a, a strange twist in, in my mm-hmm. in my journey, um, you know. But I, I wrote a lot as a kid, just you know, creative little short stories. I remember my dad. Um, uh, used to bring them to his office and would photocopy them and, oh. you know, make several copies and, br- and bring them home. And, and then the, the power of that, wait, yeah. there are going to be more than one copy of something right. that I wrote. Like that was really powerful. So maybe at that time, you know, a bell went off in my head and, uh, and I realized like, Oh, maybe, maybe publishing is in my future, but I really, I, I went to, to school to study film. Um, I was uh, trying to make a go of it as a screenwriter for, for a long time. Uh, never, Never anything made, unfortunately, uh, yet. Uh, but um, you know that's the sort of weird thing. There are many, many more scripts in Hollywood than there are movies made. So you can make a relatively decent living uh, writing things that that you know can get purchased or optioned, but but never produced. And so that was sort of my path. And so when I had the idea for my first novel, which uh, became Lily and the Octopus. Um, it was uh, a story that was deeply personal to me. And I thought, you know, I don't want, you know, filmmaking is so collaborative as it mm-hmm. is. Um, and then also you're always waiting for so many different um, levels that, um, you know, you're waiting for a, a financier, you know, the money, a producer, a director, actors to say yes. Um, you know, all these different hurdles you have to clear to get something made. And I, um, was absolutely determined, like, no, I really, f- I, I feel this story, like, deep, and I was passionate about sharing it, and I, right. and I thought, you know, I might have a clearer path to doing that if I wrote it, it in a novel format. Now, once I made that decision, I kind of embraced everything that you can do with novels that you can't do with screenplays. So, you know, that book uh, is very internal. It largely takes place in one man's imagination. It has mm-hmm. a talking dog, it has an octopus and a big battle at sea. And all these things I thought, you know, Hollywood producers would say, no, we're not doing that. I'm not paying for that. Or that's not even possible. Yeah. Um, you know, are you insane? And then, uh, you know, and so I, I had great fun with it. And now the irony being that that book, as well as the other two, uh, all three now have been uh, acquired for, the film rights have been acquired and are in development as as movies. So so we'll see uh, what happens. That's it's awesome. been a very circuitous route back to back to doing some screenwriting, which I'm which I'm doing now in these adaptations. Yeah, and I I love that for you. And congrats, that's amazing. Um, I'm always I'm that person though. That I'm like, oh, if there's a movie that's made from a book, I'm like a nerd, and I'm like. 
I want to see the differences. I want to see <laughs> what uh-huh. going yeah. on. So I'm excited for that for you. Um, yeah, it's I, and I'll, I'll be upfront. I, I actually did not write the adaptation for Lily. I left that to another writer. One, because that book, as I said, was so deeply personal to me. I, the first thing you have to do when adapting a book for the screen is really tear it apart and rebuild it if, you know, for this new format. So for instance, you know, instead of being very internal, it now has to be external. There has to be dialogue or action or things we can see on the screen. And so I really didn't think I would be the best person to, to adapt that one and, and I let it go. Now I did, I did write the adaptations for the editor and the Gunkel um, and uh, those were really interesting challenges uh, yeah. for me, but Hopefully, uh, that you know you can count on me to be uh, both faithful to the source material and hopefully elevate it, uh, <laughs> which is what I try to do. Because um, I don't think you know sometimes I, you know, I'm a big movie fan too. I, the the movies that I can think of that I think are the most successful adaptations aren't usually the ones that are the most um, sort of slavish to the book. Mm-hmm. They they really sort of find their own path in a way and so um so we'll see you can't be too uh too enamored with your own source material it's a it's a fine line to walk no definitely yeah i'm like i'm sure right now like you said there's so much to go to um are you is your the anticipation killing you or you're like i know it's gonna take some time i'll wait until they're all done how does that feel Uh, that's a We'll see. I know I'm excited for what comes next. COVID definitely slowed everything down. Uh, I would love to see one of these, you know, actually get rolling. There's, uh, yeah, there's, they're all picking up steam though. So we, we shall see. I don't even know which could be the first into production. It could be kind of a a race to see, to see which one starts first, but, um, you know, to the extent that any of them are, are on their way, I, uh, you know, I consider myself very lucky. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, any advice that you want to give to other writers, whether it be, you know, screenwriters, novelists, anybody out there, um, what advice would you give them? Yeah, uh, my first, the, the sale of my first book, Lily and the Octopus, it, it made headlines. It was one of these, you know, I was one of these writers who was very lucky to get a, a very nice deal, um, you know. Uh, but I, I was always jealous of people like me. I, you know, I, I, I wish I had come out of, say, the Iowa Writers Workshop or some prestigious mm-hmm. program and sold my first book at 25. You know, that didn't happen. I was in my 40s when I sold my first novel, and um, you know, but but I did have one of these these uh, you know sort of headline making mm-hmm. stories, and you know, everyone thought, oh, geez, you know, you're an overnight success. You are, you know, all this, and I got so much credit for being an overnight success. But I was forty something. You know, I had been writing for over fifteen years, mm-hmm. and I had several novels that sit on a shelf that I was never able to get published. And so, that I, I think the real thing I have to say is patience, and there is no substitute for time actually practicing and learning the craft, mm-hmm. right? You wouldn't sit down with paints and expect the first painting you make to sell for a lot of money, or you wouldn't sit down at the right. piano and expect to know how to play it perfectly right. the first time. <laughs> yeah. You know, you really have to, you know, do, people think we can do it because we communicate, we write casually, we write emails, we write, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a lot of our work lives, like, oh, we write, well, I know how to write. I, yeah. But there's a big difference between knowing how to write and and being a writer and being a storyteller mm-hmm. and there's real craft uh, involved in that. And it's, you know, it's your job to sort of learn that craft whether that be through reading other people you admire through mm-hmm. actual 
coursework and studying, through you know reaching out. Uh, you know, I always encourage people to attend bookstore events. You know, and now so many of them are virtual, which um, is both good and bad. But it, you yeah. know, because I miss I miss traveling and I miss doing them in person. But yeah. the the plus side is, you know, it doesn't matter where you live in this country. You can tune into any bookstore right. across the country and and listen to the programming that they have. I think, you know, uh, listen to podcasts, uh, you know, about writing. Um, you listen to authors speak because you always learn something or mm. most always learn something. So, some of us are real jerks, but no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're just yeah. like the sound of their own voice and don't really say something of substance. But, no. but you know, this is like free cl classwork to me. You know, mm -hmm. even even I always learn something, even if it's something I learn that I don't want to do. I learn something. Yeah. And so, um you know, and then on top of that, there's there's no substitute for you know putting ass in chair and actually writing. You have you have to do the work. But on the on the on the flip side of that, um, if you are someone who has, you know, who don't see yourself represented now, you know, and this is you know, I think about since 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 I came out, you know, the 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 sort of great progress we've made in LGBTQ plus rights. Um, you know, to the extent that we have gained, you know, so much, and there's still mm -hmm. work to do, particularly oh, yeah. for the T and LGBT. Oh, yeah. uh, but, you know, there's so much more to do. But to the extent that things have gotten better since I came out, and they have, um, that is largely due to the fact that we have told our stories. And it's very difficult to deny someone their humanity mm. if you listen to. Uh, what their life is really like. And, and if you're not seeing yourself represented, you know, I, I'm certainly cribbing this from, from many writers who have said this before me, you know, including Toni Morrison, I think. But if you don't see yourself represented, write that story. Mm -hmm. um, and so use that uh, as inspiration. You'd be the one, you'd be the one to, to fill that niche. And um, hopefully, hopefully that um, gives you some drive. Yeah, that definitely, <laughs> I'll take that to heart for sure. Um, patience is something that I'm still learning because um, I, I wrote my memoir and it's taking forever to get that through and everything like that. And um, talking to other, I've, I've interviewed a, a couple other um, authors and writers that have books out and everything. Now I'm like on a kick of like other queer and their writers let me slide into them DM DMs and be uh -huh. like, hey, yeah. can you be my show because I'm obsessed with all of you right now. Um, right, but it works because here I am. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, here, <laughs> here I am. And, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people and I love this. I love, um, I, well, I was going to say I love Twitter. I don't, I don't love Twitter. Twitter yeah, no, often makes me feel really bad about the world. But yeah. I do love being able to connect with, with readers because, you know, I grew up in rural Maine. I thought... Um, you know, there were times that I think, you know, I dreamed of maybe having a book one day, but I thought if, um, you know, maybe that's just a career for people who have a, a society name or yeah. connections or, or if you Correct. grew up, in, you know, in Manhattan, uh, that you could have that dream. But but for me, being from Maine, other than Stephen King, I didn't see, yeah. you know, and and that was he was very different than, yeah, than yeah. you know, what I wanted, thought I wanted he to do. He would not so, write the gunkle. <laughs> no, I, he would not write the gunkle, nor would I write, you know. The yeah. stand, even though I think it's a great book, but yeah. um, it's just, so so the extent that you know I can reach other students can talk to me or I can talk to you know other people like that. I think that's I think that's really great. Yeah, no, I, I think that's awesome, and I, I love that you're so willing to um, be humble about it and be able to share that and willing to share that because 
Um, I met a couple people that are just are not. So, but I won't say who. All right. Yeah. After recording, I want names. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. I, I'm, just, I'm just teasing. But also have some flexibility in your work. You know, memoir is is difficult um, oh. because we all think, yes. um, you know, we have a story. And certainly Lillian Octopus, as I said, was, you know, it's deeply autobiographical. Mm -hmm. But I tried writing a little bit of it sort of in memoir format. And I found um, that it wasn't really working for me. And so I thought about, you know, what is the essence of what I'm trying to write about? And it was attachment and how difficult it can be to let go because it was a book about loss. Yeah. And so suddenly, oh, you know what? I'll throw in an octopus, you know? So yeah. having a tentacular yeah. kind of metaphor that has an actual, you know, strangle, can have an actual stranglehold on you. That was like writing something that felt like, um, you know, what the experience of, of losing something you love uh, feels like, you know, then I was sort of off to the races. So it's, you know, then I'm, but it's blurring genres a little bit. It's a mm -hmm. little, you know, so kind of straddling what they call auto fiction. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but it was being able to have that metaphor that really gave that book life now right. in real life. You know, I, I say it's autobiographical. I never thought I saw an octopus, yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, in my house. But uh, but certainly I use that to talk about, you know, what that year felt like. And so yeah. um, sometimes it's having flexibility with your work, you know, looking at it objectively and seeing like, oh, OK, should this be a memoir? Should this be a novel? If it's a novel, maybe maybe it should be a memoir. Maybe what it's missing is the intimacy. Should I be writing in first person and third person and yes. sometimes those those take uh you know those take time and some false starts uh to figure out but stay at it stay are we still talking about advice for writer i feel like i've it been is. going on for a no. long time no that's totally no. So stay I, at it. All right, I'm, long answer. Stay at yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm soaking you up. Trust me, because I'm 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 struggling now. Um, I'll text my friends. I'll talk to my husband. And be like, nobody wants to hear my sad life story. <laughs> like this is not. <laughs> and they're like, they're all like, no, it, it's going to take one person and everything. And I was like, okay. Um, and one advice that I got from um another a, a writer that's been published and everything. Um, he said, you know what. It, it, usually when you have one thing done and you you think you've done all you can do and you're just waiting for it you can start something else so I started that but I had the same thing like should this be first person second person like yeah so people yeah. just stay at it though <laughs> like I'm glad that I'm not going yeah and you know sometimes it's you're right you have to put something aside to get fresh perspective on it you know mm -hmm. we immediately finish a draft and we think Oh, I'm so I'm so excited. Great. I want to get it out there. Like, no, you have to set it aside, let it sit, let give yourself some distance from it, and go back and look at it with fresh eyes. And um, and th then you'll be able to see more clearly what what the next step should be. But yeah, so it doesn't always come out from beginning to end, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and sometimes that means writing non sequentially. Sometimes that means not writing at all. But if you set something aside, oftentimes like it'll still whisper to you. Oh, yeah. um, and sometimes those problems are solved. You know, I've certainly been floating in the pool sometimes and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm writing. They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. Like, I, it's, it's all in here. Yeah. It's all, I'm trying to figure it all out. I just happen to be in the swimming pool. You're like, I, I'm working, please let me. Uh, I'm working, please, please, <laughs> yes, please, 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 please. Working. Yeah. Yes. Could you bring uh, me a cocktail? <laughs> right, exactly. This really helps my writing. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the process. Exactly. Uh, I always like to, and clarify for, because people sometimes say, uh, for the next question, who inspires you? We don't feel obligated to say grandma or anything like that, because people sometimes revert to that. Um, yeah. 
people also have kind of corrected me and said, you know, it doesn't have to be one person. It could be a group of people. Um, it can be um, family, famous, you know, world leaders, whoever. Who inspires you? Oh, goodness. Uh, that, you know, that's a great question. It is a, it is a bunch of people. You know, right. my, husband, my husband inspires me because he has an incredible work ethic. You know, he's a writer as well. Byron Lane, who's, mm -hmm. whose debut novel came out last year called The Stars Board, um, which is great fun. Um, so he, he inspires me, you know, all, all sorts of people. Andrew Sean Greer, who wrote Less, inspires me because we have the same glasses. And I thought if he could wear, if he could win a Pulitzer Prize wearing these glasses yes. um, that I am wearing right now, then, then perhaps I can uh, too, one day. Yes. Uh, and uh you know also another yeah, great book <laughs> just throw that out also there. another great book yeah. yeah 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 and and then you know i'm very inspired by um by young people i turned 50 this year um which is it wild. is a <laughs> which is all right it's wild for you it's wild for me um you know that you know i've been out for 30 years uh this year as well so um you know young people young queer people uh, inspire me because they're really, you know, like I feel, you know, we've been working so hard for something and, and they're picking up the mantle and, and, right. and fighting on all these sort of new fronts, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, gender expression and, and trans mm -hmm. rights and, and, so, and all these things. And so I'm, I'm constantly inspired by, by, uh, younger people as well. So I could, I could go, I could go on. No. <laughs> No, and I will say to give you lots of credit because <laughs> I was before this, I was like, okay, let me probably do some research and background. So I Googled you and I was mm -hmm. like, they're lying. He's not 50. There's no way. <laughs> I no, was they're like, definitely lying. They're definitely lying because I, I don't like, believe it either. I was like, no. I was like, this is a lie. No. So, but you just can. All right. Well, listen, if you're listening to this right now, you don't have video. You and I are looking at each other on video. This is the secret. This is, this is the real reason why you do not have children, okay? Because if you get eight hours of sleep a night, boom, <laughs> exactly. This can be 50. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I was baffled, I was shooketh. Um, okay, so the next part is the fun part, the rapid questions that I have. Ah, lightning round. Yeah, so I have three pertaining to uh, the Gunkle slash BU, um, okay. and three random ones that will go. Do you have a preference on which ones you wanna do first? No, throw them at me. Okay, perfect. So, which this... This is when I really should have had a drink before recording this. Oh, podcast. God. <laughs> I know. Love. Get get nice and loose. All right. right. Um, and this one, um, uh, now thinking back to your previous... We were talking about film rights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, this is just your opinion. <laughs> Who would you select to play Patrick in a film? So it could be a TV movie a movie or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, uh, well, again, I'm not, in, I'm Correct, not in yeah. charge. Again, let's like covers. I will probably have meaningful input right. uh, into the process. Uh, I do think it's essential that an out uh, gay actor play the role. And I have said uh, as much to the studio before, yes. before I sold the rights, uh, because, um, you know, certainly to the extent that uh, you, know, you know, Mary Poppins is actual magic. Maria from The Sound of Music has music, but Patrick, you know, his magic so much that he has some comes from his sort of lived experience as an right. out gay man. And I, so I do think that's essential. Uh, I, think, I think, you know, there, there's definitely some front runners. I think Dan Levy 
um, would be really fantastic. Lots yes. of Schitt's Creek fans out there. Um, I heard a podcast interview with Andrew Rannells recently talking about his boyfriend, Tuck Watkins' uh, kids and, and, and coming into a relationship, uh, you know, when your partner has kids Good, and learning to relate with those. And I was very moved by that interview. Yeah. And I thought, oh, he really, he kind of gets it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, there, have been a, there are a number of, of great names uh, thrown out, but those are, those are sort of two that come to mind. I love both of those. At least you, <laughs> never mind, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I was going to say, at least you didn't choose James Corden, but. <laughs> it's oh my God. Yeah. No, uh, no. Uh, also Corden, not, <laughs> not, not gay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way. Um, so, you know, um, it's, it's just time. I have mixed feelings. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that in every instance, it's essential that an out, um, you know, queer person play right. a queer role because I also want opportunities for queer actors to play straight roles. Right. Um, but I do think for this role, it's it's kind of essential. No, definitely, I agree. Um, so then I'll, I'll switch and do a random from okay. my random deck. Of, oh, you have a deck? Oh, it's really random. It's, it's really random. random. So I just flipped to this one. If you had an okay. extra hour in your day, how would you use it? Oh God. Uh, I, I, I have an extra 15 minutes in my day right now and I'm using it to learn French. Um, so smart. and so, uh, it, it stemmed, from, but I would, I would expand my studies, uh, okay. to, to an hour. Um, I just take a little app on my phone, but I'm like, I, I, I have relented to the fact that I, I am absolutely addicted to my phone, but I was like, I need to be doing more. If I'm going to be, yeah. if that phone is in my hand, I want to be doing something more productive. Um, with yeah. it. And so, and so taking language courses, that's what I would do. Yeah. That's smart though. I need to do that with Spanish and relearn it. Um, so the next one. Yeah, so I really want, I wanted to learn Spanish, but I, again, growing up in Maine, I had taken high school French because I, you have to communicate with the Quebecois who the, you know, Canadians who come, yeah, yeah. come in, you know, flooding into Maine in the summer. So I had some, I'm just too old to learn something brand new, but there was some dormant French in there and I could, I could uh, reaccess. <laughs> well, that's the, the, for me, I literally graduated high school with Spanish honor society <laughs> and I <laughs> took it in college and yeah. all right so now. it's in there <laughs> yeah it's practice. in there i just, just have to yeah. Yeah. just gotta practice um so yeah. in the book you t uh patrick talks about you know and I, I see this a lot with celebrities and stuff if mm -hmm. they're on a show i'm tr i'm blinking because i'm trying to think of like a well-known celebrity that has a catchphrase from a show that gets thrown at them randomly. sure well like you know the jack 2000 or or the, like um oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Sean Sean Hayes and the, the Jack yeah, McFarlane character just, yeah. had several catchphrases, but yeah. you know Joey on Friends, how you do? Oh, how you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, so yeah. if you were to have a catchphrase, oh god, <laughs> what oh, would it god. be? Oh, this is the this is the one where I'm going to fail absolutely. You know, because you know, as a writer, I would just sit there and stare at the screen until until it came <laughs> until to me. Just, but here, I can't just sit here and have dead air. Um, you know, until it comes to me. Um, you know, I would certainly want it to be uh, funny and and have the right amount of sass and yeah, uh, natural. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It might be something like "Not on my time." Yeah. Uh, you know, people who try to. It was like, no, I, nope. I'm reserving my uh, uh, the the, uh, the uh, 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 Maxine Waters, which was like reclaiming. I'm reclaiming my time. I'm yeah. reclaiming my time. I, I love that so much. So maybe just maybe it's just not on my time. Yeah. That works. That's the way to cut cut people off when I don't want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> oh, I wish we could do that every time. Um, yeah. 
so back to the randomness. Would you rather mm-hmm. go to a water park or a haunted house? That's so random. Oh, good Lord. Um, you know, as a kid, 100% water park. Um, uh, but now, uh, now I, I, wor- I worry about bacteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything a little Miss Rona you know, swimming like, in there. Yeah, exactly. Everything that could be swimming alongside me in the water yeah. park. Uh, nowadays, I might say haunted house. I might okay. say haunted house. Yeah. Are you are you a horror? Like oh, like an actual haunted house, or you mean like a like a theme park? Like I mean, like a, a theme park, but. You know, it could be up to interpretation if you would go to. A yeah, house. well, in a in a modern day, in 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 the, our current world, in in a uh, you know, so, to the extent that people are inside working there, they may have a sheet over their head or yeah. that works as a mask or yeah. an actual mask that might work as a mask. I'm going to go with haunted house, safer choice in 2021. Yeah. Much final safer, <laughs> much safer choice, and they usually have to keep their distance because they're not allowed to touch you and most. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, like, consent now. A haunted house with, with, with consent. consent a, yes. May I scare you? Yes. Uh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that does sound a lot better than um, bacteria swimming in the water next to you. Uh, this one is a doozy. Um, so sorry to make it difficult. But, oh, no. um, of course, brunch is such a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick talks about that, teaches um, that in the book. And so... Um, going along with the theme of also teaching children, um, especially in the book, but in real life too. Um, have you ever heard that it's a big icebreaker, you know, if you're throwing a dinner party, you can only invite five people. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So in this situation, it's, you can only invite five queer people to brunch and each person will teach the children important queer history. Who would you choose? Oh my goodness! Um, like, I was not prepared. <laughs> I was definitely uh, not prepared for this. Um, if it can be living or dead, I would definitely say it could be. Wild. Yes, has yeah. to be one because I quote him uh, quite a bit. Oh yeah, um, and, yeah. <laughs> throughout the book, um, you know, Larry Kramer would be there uh, to talk about activism, yeah. uh, and he would be, you know, sort of the curmudgeon at the at the end of the table. But God bless him, and. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I, I would like, I'm not choosing all dead people. This isn't fair. I was I, like, I was all right. Like, Mont- <laughs> Montgomery Cliff, because he's just so damn hot. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, all right. Let's, let's choose some, let's choose some. Well, first of all, we, we need some, uh, we need some women. That's um, what I was waiting for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need, we absolutely. But this is your need, brunch, so I don't want to dictate it. No, 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 no. We need some, we need some queer women. Um, so, uh, you know, and of course I, I'm, of course I'm drawing, you know, I'm not going to say Ellen or, or Rosie, or I'm trying to think like, um, uh, I've had, uh, a, I need some, I need someone from the political arena too. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and can't just say Barney Frank, not a woman. Um, it's really, hard. I don't, you know, I, it's really hard. It is. I okay. I will uh, throw one out there, and you can take it. I oh, would yeah. myself invite Laverne Cox because I just. Oh yes, her. absolutely. And she absolutely would be yeah. amazing. And then I'd be like, could you reenact <laughs> Rocky Horror Live for me? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, she would. She would be amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I. I don't know Georgia O'Keeffe. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that works. <laughs> I put a, that's a weird brunch i just yeah, put together that, but I'm, yeah be the best brunch <laughs> like, 
<laughs> there better be a lot of booze at that yeah, yeah it'll have the kids talking for decades <laughs> for, yeah i'll take a thought i'm not sure kids should sit in on this yeah i am absolutely not. gonna I yeah no definitely gonna. i want a front row yeah. seat <laughs> for sure yeah. Oh, okay yeah awesome see <laughs> i knew that when i was like he's probably gonna be like oh oh no hanging out <laughs> that's too much yeah <laughs> Uh, but I appreciate you going through that and actually thinking because sometimes I've had it, some people be like, mm, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> move along. No, uh, you got to play. Yeah, exactly. Play. That's the rules. Uh, last question. What are three things that would guarantee to cheer you up if you're having a bad day? That's a really deep one, too. <laughs> I don't know why I picked that one. Yeah, that is uh, that. So, um, 80s dance music. I write a little bit about that in the book, but I think, you know, I always say, and, and early 90s, I think I, mm-hmm. anything that would remind me of my, my first experiences of dancing in gay clubs, mm-hmm. always, whenever I hear it, like instant, instant happiness, Erasure, yeah. Pop 20, um, Crystal Waters, these kind of, uh, you know, dance music from that time. Um, and uh, so that's one. Yeah. Two uh, is usually alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I shouldn't say that. Maybe I should substitute ice cream. But no, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely a, gr- a great cocktail. And then um, some really sort of bitchy gossip. Oh, yeah. Always the best. <laughs> Put all three of those together. Put all three together? Okay. That's brunch. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Like literally, that's a dry sorry. brunch. Sorry, Georgia O'Keefe, you just got bumped for yeah, bitchy gossip. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I appreciate you <laughs> playing along with me and humoring me. Um, sorry to put you on the spot, but you did you did really good though. I'm I'm proud. all right. I quitted myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, next question, or actually, the next couple questions are standard on Sunshine Steve, and I ask all the guests this. Um, okay mental health is something super important and something that I feel like kind of has a uptick right now, um, especially with everything that's going on. Um, But a lot of people are actually um, talking about it more. So I want to keep that going and break the stigma. So um, I always like to ask, what is something that you do or give a few examples that keep your mental health in check? Yeah, and it's uh, it. This sort of ties in, you know, back to the book because mm-hmm. you know grieving is is so you know people don't always associate it with with mental health, but you know, Freud, I think it was Freud who said, you know, grieving is sort of a, a temporary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's sort of like a temporary mental, uh, you know, detachment from your normal mental state, right? Um, and and hopefully, hopefully it's temporary, but um, yeah. you know, it can it can really go on. Um, I try to shut out the world. I really do like swimming. Um, I, for me, you know, writing is a very um, uh, solitary job, mm-hmm. but it's also a very sedentary job. So exercise is, it's so as cliche as it is, um, it really is essential for my mental health. And what I love about swimming um, is that uh, I really do have to shut out the world. It's just, right. it's just, um, you know, I, I can't listen to podcasts. I can't, I, you know, I, I don't have music in my ear. The, I, I don't have my phone on me. Someone can't interrupt me. Um, and, 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 and it slows my counts down because I'm either counting strokes or counting laps or, you know, um, lengths or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it really, it really quiets my mind. And so that is, that is something I, I do for my, for my mental health. It just feels like I am, yeah escaping into another world at least at least temporarily and you're you're sort of forced to leave everything behind 
No, definitely. I definitely, I remember even as a kid, well, one, trying to be the Little Mermaid in the swimming pools, but then, you know, there was times where zonking out and just swimming mm-hmm. was like the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. So uh, even now as an adult, there's times where I'm just like, oh, I could just sit in the pool all day. Like, yeah. Yeah. with lots of sunscreen because I burn yeah. a lobster. And then, then beyond that, it's like something all of us should do is limit our social media time. Oh, yes. Uh, and I'm guilty of that. But, I, you know, I try to spend more time on Instagram than anything else because because it is more photo-based. Yes. It's not, you know, I'm Comments. also constantly yeah. insulted with, uh, assaulted with people's opi- stupid opinions about yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, I definitely... <laughs> Out of all platforms, um, Instagram is my favorite. Twitter still confuses yeah. me, and I'm like, I don't understand how people get like this. So, um, although the kids these days have taught me <laughs> that, if you ever want to know like um, presale codes, they're usually on Twitter for concerts. So that was, ah, I was like, oh, there you nice. go. Well, I should learn that because I miss live performance so much. I miss it so much. I can't I wait to be back at concerts and theater and, and whatnot. Yes. We were supposed to go see, my husband and I were supposed to go see Melanie Martinez last year and it was canceled because of COVID. Yeah. And the I same w- thing. I was going to go see Kelly Clarkson in Vegas at last, like April 2nd of, of 2020 or something. Like, it was like, you know, two weeks after everything shut down. Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah, exactly. I'm ready for that to come back. Um, yeah. Speaking though <laughs> of mm-hmm. uh, quarantine and uh, spending a lot of time um, not out in the world. Um, I've seen a lot of people um, doing a lot more binging movies, TV shows, podcasts, reading. So what are some things that you're obsessed with either right now or has stuck with you throughout the years that you're like, oh, I always have to mention like this because this is one of my favorites um, and there is no limit. So feel free if you want to talk about it for 30 minutes, go ahead. I will just <laughs> break this into two well, I'm not even talking about a lot. I'm not <laughs> going to talk for 30 minutes. For, for my obsessions have been almost a bit back-to-back HBO. It's been, it was Mare of Town, and now it is The White Lotus. And uh, the best. I am obsessed, obsessed. Yes. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, and I really like both of those, both of those shows because uh, I would sort of get into into limited series. I love it because it doesn't same seem like a whole commitment of I got to watch 200 episodes. Uh, yeah. And yet at the same time, you know, my husband and I, every night we sit down, we're like, what should we watch tonight? I love it when we stumble on something. We're like, okay, we don't have to decide again. But yeah. like, this will provide exactly. five or six nights of entertainment. But both of those shows are original to mm-hmm. television, but they they sort of read like novels to me. Yes. They sort of wa- the sort of experience of them is, is almost like consuming a novel. It really takes time out mm-hmm. to build supporting characters and um, exploration of issues, yeah. um, you know, and things like that sometimes get glossed over on on TV, uh, you know, sort of on, on network TV or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, so those have been, you know, I, and and then throw in throw in a, you know, I, I'm sure all of your listeners know this. I, I was going to say, if you don't know this about gay men, we love actresses. So give us oh, a, yeah. give us a Kate Winslet or give us a Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, uh, you know, Jennifer we Coolidge. are there. RSVP, yes. Yes. Um, beyond that, you know, it, it's a weird, you know, the rest of the quarantine has been, you know, like a lot of the rest of the world, we get sucked into um, true crime and and murder yes. doc. You know, I don't know why that is, but I've consumed so much of it that I've actually been like, 
damn, why are there no good serial killers now? Like, they're just, there's okay, not enough I, new ones. Yes, like, literally. And I guess it's because DNA, DNA and cell technology phones, has you know, ruined, well, not ruined and they can it, track like, you everywhere through your phone. Yes. So it's like, you know, you can't really do it you can't uh, anymore in the way caught. that you used to. But but come on, we're running out of serial killers to profile. We need some new exactly. ones. Exactly, yes. Not Who is going to step up? Yeah, <laughs> not encouraging it, but <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was a criminal justice minor, so we I studied a lot, and but I feel like in the past recent years, there's been a wave of like a lot of people obsessed with true crime and stuff. They're like, yeah, see the new Ted Bundy, and I was like, I spent a whole semester talking about Ted Bundy. Give me something yeah. else. So yeah, 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 that's good. Um, what else? So <laughs> so it, it was like a combination of that. I want I want that sort of experience, but then also like it's been comfort. I, you know, I've been revisiting old things, even rereading you know books that I've read before. There's some there's something about this time that I've just sort of wanted the comfort of the familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know why exactly, but um, I've been re- revisiting some some favorites from from the past. So okay, yeah. I feel like that that's I've been doing the same more with TV shows and stuff. I rewatched mm-hmm. all of Gossip Girl, the original. <laughs> uh-huh. Why not? And now I'm watching the newer one on HBO. Right. Mixed feelings, but I like it overall. Okay, um, good. I haven't tried it yet, but yeah, I mean it's very adult. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> I mean it's a gossip woman. Yeah, yeah, basically. I was like, this was n- oh, all right. Yeah, it's very HBO. Um yeah. Do you know um, Elite or Elite in the Spanish? It's a Spanish language Netflix uh, yeah. drama, and it is like it is like a gossip girl mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like Gossip Girl with with murder, and uh, it's great. Oh. It's really great. It's I'll really be here for that. Yeah, Gossip Girl with murder. That's like yeah, my favorite thing. Not murdering, but like yeah. murder. So, <laughs> yeah, I keep seeing people talk about that, and I was like, I need to watch. Yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. That I will take that recommendation. Anything else that comes to mind before we wrap this up? The recommendations part, not the whole. Oh thing. my goodness! Yeah. You know, no. I, other than that, I, I just you got to be with the right person. I feel like this has been make or break for a lot of couples. Uh, this has been break. I mean, uh, break. This has been make. Edit that part out. This has been make uh, for my husband and I. In fact, we got married in in April, so I was like, if we were locked in the house together for a whole year and then got married, um, you know, you know, we're in it. So uh, yeah. So that's the secret to quarantine is, is having the right quarantine partner. Oh yeah. Me and my husband, eh, we married four years in June and it, I mean, it wasn't all. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> well, it's a lot of togetherness. Let's yeah. Just, let, you know. <laughs> there yeah. was times where I was like, I'm just going to go upstairs and do my thing and you stay away. Um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely, especially for the TV shows, because there's a lot that we agree, like White Lotus, we both will mm-hmm. watch, but he's never watched an episode of Gossip Girl. I don't know why I married him. Um, so there's <laughs> that balance, but then there's shows that he watches. I'm like, I have no care. But yeah. there is, divorce is on the table if somebody cheats and watch an episode without you. Oh, um, yeah. People say, oh, yeah. but yeah, I will fight you <laughs> for that. So um, I, I agree, though. Ha- you have to be have the right combination of people. Yeah, that, um, is, that is, yeah, one of the greatest relationship sins. Yeah, you yes. cannot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There And now it tracks everything, too. It'll tell you, like, I, I know. Oh, you can see. Yeah. This. yeah, like, yeah. 
who watched episode three <laughs> yeah so that's always uh, a good thing i'm glad you know that now <laughs> that you're, yeah because there's some people i'm like that's something you should talk about you know people always talk about you should talk about like religion money children or oh what? no it should be in the vows yeah, yeah. like I, I i promise never to watch an episode of a show that we're watching together without you okay yeah. not gonna lie literally i put that in my vows <laughs> oh <laughs> i swear <laughs> There you go. Well, it got good. a good laugh too, so that was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so I want to give you a moment to um, let listeners know where they can find you. Not your address or anything like that, but like your, <laughs> your social media. Yeah, let me uh, drop a pin so you yeah, can see like, where I am. Yeah, exactly. Just come swim. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I'll be in the pool. Just let yeah. yourself. Yeah, hop over the fence. Yeah, bring um, snacks. <laughs> yeah, bring snacks. Uh, you can find me across social media at Mr. Stephen Rowley, M-R, Stephen with a V, R-O-W-L-E-Y. And uh, so come find me and say hello. Yeah. You never know. You, <laughs> you might have him come on your podcast show. Uh, yeah, I might end up on, on your podcast if you do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, again, I want to thank you so much for taking time. I highly recommend everybody um, checking out all three of your books. Um, but right now I'm in the midst, so I can 100,000% tell you that the Gunkle is super enjoyable. It's funny. <laughs> I know we talked a lot about grief and stuff like that. It's funny. It's right? super I funny. Yeah. I was, I love uh, that. I love that we're going to end this podcast recording and you're going to go back to putting headphones on and continuing to listen to me as you finish the audio. I book. know. Yeah. It's so surreal. Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's, I was like, oh my gosh, his voice, I hear it. And yeah, I might have to um, do the audio with Michael Yuri, <laughs> you know, since you don't have a job, um, <laughs> yeah. go listen to the other two. Uh, but again, yes, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, stay safe out there and have a fantastic day. Thank you. Twelve out of ten would recommend the Gunkle. Um, it was, it's just, obviously I have finished it since recording and, um, it's just, it was just so good. So wholesome and beautiful and deals with a lot of dynamics. It's good. It's a good one. So listen to it or read it. <laughs> I listen to it. You can read it <laughs> any way you want. Um, I don't know why I got like real there. Um, it reminds me of the house bunny. If you know, you know. Anywho, let's see. For this week, do what is beneficial. Set forth positive energy. That is a good one to ponder. Let's find one more. Meditate on someone you love deeply, such as your partner or spouse, or maybe even your gunkle. Ponder all that over. Mull it over. Well, we enjoy this week's Meditation Minute.
that's all I have for you this week. Um, thank you so, so much to Steven for talking to me about the gunkle and really other topics that we hit on. Um, enjoyed it thoroughly. Super, super recommending the gunkle and Lily Lodgeworth and the editor. Just all of them. Just go get all of Steven's books. Thanks. Um, come back next week where I will actually be talking to another um, queer author. So that's always fun. I know, shocker, me interviewing somebody gay that writes. <laughs> Anywho, so you can also follow me in my journey at Sir Stephen Rice, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, there's one more. Oh, TikTok. Yeah, sure. Where do stupid videos and nothing really pertaining to me. You can also go to my website, SirStephenRice.com, where I have a blog and some merch and some short stories and stuff. I do have Mad Love out right now and some poems and I'm putting more poems together so look out, I guess I could say. Anywho, so stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Be nice. Be kind. All that jazz and all that goodness. And until next time, have a fantastic day or night. I don't know why I just blanked. There was something, there, there was something in the corner of the room. And I'm home alone, so that that frightened me. Um, yeah. So until next time, have a fantastic day. <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid.